Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition, where we look at the new normal as the world begins to recover from the global pandemic. I'm David Robinson, online editor at The Banker, and my guest today is Barvin Durakia, co-founder and CEO of the banking tech firm Zeta. Barvin, welcome. Thank you for having me here. When we've talked previously, you've suggested that you feel that banking is in a kind of existential crisis at the moment. Can you expand on that a little? Absolutely. So there's certainly, you know, threats from all corners. You mentioned fintechs. Um, I think that's, you know, um, that's kind of one fourth quadrant, I guess, of the threats that banks are facing. Uh, in many ways, by the way, the pandemic has, has transformed banking from sort of optionally digital to optionally physical now, right? You know, um, 70% of US consumers changed how they paid. Tons and tons of bank branches have become irrelevant now. And, and really from a threat standpoint, within less than a decade, potentially in the last few years, banks have been attacked, uh, under attack from, you know, neobanks and challenger banks, uh, from fintechs, from big techs like Apple and Google, uh, from buy now, pay to players like Klarna. And, and each of these is sort of in some ways eroding specific well, I guess, surfaces or canvases that banks used to control and, and govern, right? You've got neobanks have, have captured tens of millions of customers across uh, um, UK, US, and, and many other countries. And a, a large number, I think more than 8% of US consumers now say that their primary bank account is a, is a neobank, which is massive given that the shift started happening in, in less than a few years. Uh, when you look at big tech, you know, Apple launched their credit card and accumulated a $10 billion portfolio in 75 days of launch. Uh, 3.1 million new customers in six months, right? And one out of two phones in the US is an Apple phone. So given the, the dominance uh, that they have, you know, with Google, who's sort of coming in for your DDA accounts, there was a survey conducted where four in five Americans under 34 would consider moving their bank accounts to one of the big techs. And, and, and so even though Google might be layering this on top of the top of a bank account, they're going to end up being a front-end engagement interface um, that actually users use and acquaint themselves with. And it doesn't really matter. You know, it's almost like being relegated to ISPs um, where the front-end interfaces, OTT apps, are actually providing the, the value on top. Right? Um, you've got fintechs like Cash App and Venmo that have seen upwards of 100 million downloads and upwards of 20, 30 million sort of users. Um, and then buy now, pay later sort of, Eroding, you know, credit card interest rates fell by um, 10% and are expected to fall by another 20, 25% by the time we get to 20, 2025. And so there's all these sort of different angles from which different players in technology are um, um, taking chunks out of the sort of banking industry, if you will, whether it's user engagement, uh, whether it's actual financial products from neobanks and big techs, whether it's the payment layer from the, you know, fintechs. Um, whether it's the you know credit and lending part from the sort of buy now pay later and lending fintechs, um, th there's all these sort of different players that are eating away into chunks of market share, um, chunks of um, the canvas of, of what a, what used to be the domain of a bank. Marvin, the way you explain it or outline it, banks are under attack from every angle. I guess the only question to ask, therefore, is how can you stop being under attack and what can you do? Our vision, for instance, one of the biggest areas of, that I saw as a thesis um, back in, in 2014, 2015, is that banking software is really old, right? You've got 
you know, every other industry, whether it's, you know, space shuttles or feature phones to smartphones or data centers to cloud banking or um, software as a service, so, you know, CRM software and accounting software, every technology industry and space has gone through a complete reboot and refresh in the last decade, decade and a half. And banks still continue to use, you know, a cacophony of legacy software vendors for, you know, debit processing, credit processing, loan management, core banking, fraud and risk, acquiring, mobile apps, wallets, you know, some myriad set of vendors that were you know, built out in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, jigsaw puzzle pieces that were never meant to fit one another. And you can't really build the apple of banking with 10, 15 different legacy vendors. And so I do see that banks from a intent standpoint have become much more progressive in the last few years. Uh, but they're still saddled with uh, with technology from the you know several decades ago that can't help them move fast. Uh, they end up being slow to innovate. They end up um, um, you know uh, taking 12 to 18 months to even launch basic products. Um, they, they're inefficient in terms of operations. And you really need to rethink if you want to start. If your consumers are demanding Teslas, and you've got factories that are producing Toyotas. You can't just suddenly refurbish that factory to start manufacturing Teslas. You have to rethink the whole factory from scratch. You have to look at a brand new platform end to end that will run a much more kind of modern stack with modern experiences, cloud native, you know, API first, uh, that can enable you as a financial institution to create these, become a tech first company. It's kind of the other distinction that I make, it's kind of the analogy that I provide is is the difference between an Amazon and a Barnes and Nobles back in the day. You know, they were both selling books, but Barnes and Nobles is a book selling company that uses technology. Amazon is a technology company that, by the way, sells books. Banks are currently stuck in that scenario where they're not tech first companies, they're banking first companies. And it's really important for them to leverage the right technology to become tech first companies um, and, 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 and sort of bring in the right DNA and the right platforms to enable them to compete in this, this time. But just the way you explain it, banks have a number of challenges, a number of problems. It can't be as simple as simply replacing legacy software with something more up to date, can it? I think that's a big piece of the puzzle because the way I see it is, you know, if your foundations are not um, are not perfect, then everything else, you know, you, that you build on top of it will continue to be shaky, right? So. Um, banks do have a bunch of strengths, um, David, the way I see it. They have trust, you know, unlike many of the fintechs um, that are relatively new, some of the banks have built, you know, a legacy in terms of the kind of trust they've created. They're massive institutions and they've, um, they've got branding, they've got customer insight and information from decades. Um, they have uh, much lower cost of funds than every single lending fintech. I mean, technically, if some of the largest banks introduced equivalent products to the buy now pay players, the new credit players, their cost of funds would put them far ahead of competition in terms of, uh, in terms of you know, efficiency of operations and profitability. Um, and so I think they have some of the ingredients. I think the two ingredients that are missing are, I guess, people and platform. And so I spoke about the platform piece, uh, of course, as being an important one. Um, certainly, there would also need to be the right induction of DNA in terms of the right kind of people that are digital natives and digital first in their product team, uh, that could actually also enable this sort of disruption innovation for them. Marvin, thank you so much for your time today. 
the rise of the fintechs and the wider implications for the banking sector is something we will just keep coming back to again and again here at The Banker. Do keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.